When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! Podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. Uh, getting you set for another episode here of the podcast. Justin, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How was your sleep last night? Uh, my sleep was yeah. not very good at all. Oh. When, but I, am, I, am I looking a little ragged? No. I'm, I mean, I bet you your sleep, though, was better than been an ECHL team recently well I guess it'd probably be still be a little bit better than a little bit better a little bit I you know I I don't know you should be a bit more appreciative Justin I should I should I I if if I had to endure what the Toledo walleye endured then I would uh probably relish my four hours of sleep that I got last night a little bit better because they may not have gotten that much so let me not to become the protagonist here but I'm on my phone like three three days ago and I see this thread and you sent it to me, but I, I saw it actually on my Twitter feed. And the first line is from Justin Cohn. I can confirm the walleye had to sleep at the arena last night. My first thought is, okay, so is this a, he can confirm it. Like, is there suspicions? Like, I was like, what, like, what am I, is there like a hotel gate? I was shocked. Then Justin continues, after having to move out of an Idaho hotel that a source said had bed bugs and mouse droppings. Quote, it was more East Coast League. It was the most East Coast League thing I've ever been a part of, the source said. Justin said I, he told him he'd send bleach. I, where do we even start with this? Let's start. Actually, I know where I want to start. Tell us the process of this even coming into your lap as a journalist. Well, you're going to like this because uh, I was sitting in the office doing some other things. And uh, actually, it was a Toledo fan that messaged me this very grainy video of beds set up in a luxury suite in Idaho. So he said, I thought you might want to see this. Really looking forward to this week's podcast. That, that was the message he got me. As in, this is going to be great fodder for us to talk about. And here we are talking about it. So, um, How did the fun of the video? Well, uh, I don't exact. I've got some guesses where it was. I I didn't recognize the name, and it was eventually removed. I think it might have been a player's father or something like that. So oh, okay. I'm not entirely sure, but there was this video circulating of this thing going on. So uh, this was on Saturday night. Toledo plays Idaho in Game Two of the Western Conference Finals that night. We'll get to that later, but right now Idaho has a two nothing lead, and so. Um, I reached out to some people after that game that I know within the Toledo organization. And I said, Hey, I I heard that there was a a deal with the hotel. Can you tell me what, what happened? And then it kind of spiraled from there, heard from multiple people within the organization, uh, probably till, you know, uh, as late as three in the morning, Eastern time, like I'm getting messages that kind of filling in the blanks about what went on there. So, uh, so here's, here's the skinny. So, Toledo's playing in Idaho. They're in a decent hotel on Thursday and Friday night. Game one is on. 
I'm sorry, I said Saturday before it was Sunday night. Game one was on um, Saturday night. Game right. two was on Sunday night. Um, so in Boise, there was a sizable uh, concert. There was convention. There was a bunch of sporting events. So there was a shortage of hotel rooms. So the team was in a decent hotel uh, Thursday, Friday, had to move to a different hotel on Saturday. And I'm not going to say the name of the hotel, but it was uh, it was a, a lower end hotel. The players took one look at it and found it very disagreeable. Uh, there was bed bugs. There was a player who had mouse droppings, uh, I believe, on the pillow or on the bed. This is a player who has been at a very high level in his career. So I'm sure that was a pretty um, welcome to the ECHL moment for him. Uh, and they said, look, we're, we're not going to do this. We can't, we can't stay here. There's no way it's going to happen. Uh, so what do you do? Uh, so they worked out, uh, you know, they, they got their heads together, the Toledo organization, the Idaho organization, and the solution they came up with was to set up some beds in the suites that overlook the ice. Now, it's important to note that the arena is actually connected to a hotel. Uh, so, you know, there was already some sofa beds, sort of a setup already conducive to, the, to that. So they... They set some things up. They got some rollaways in, but there were some members of the team that were sleeping in the locker rooms. There were some members of the team that were sleeping in the referee rooms. Uh, certainly not an ideal situation. And this is Saturday night. They've just played a game and then they have another game on Sunday. So that's why the player is like in the middle of the Western Conference Finals. This is the most ECHL thing you'd ever had to deal with was basically the comment. Yeah, go ahead. Two things. One, you mentioned how Toledo and Idaho put their heads together. I don't know if this is like an actual rule or just, you know, sportsmanship and common courtesy, but is there, I don't want to say onus on the, on Toledo's situation to help out, but like how, how did they get involved there? Like just in terms of the arena, like how did, do you know what part they played in this? Well, so here's how it typically did works. Did they plant the bed bugs, Justin? Well, <laughs> well, of course, everybody's mind automatically goes to gamesmanship, right? Uh, they must have done it on purpose. Uh, there is a team in the league, which I won't say that if this had happened, I would be like 90% this happened on purpose. Idaho is not one of those teams to me. I don't think that this was gamesmanship or anything like that. But as I was peeling back the layers of this funny little story. Uh, the thing that I found out late in the night and one of the favorite comments I got from somebody was like, oh, this is a great twist at the end of all this, is that the Idaho Steelheads actually own three hotels in the Boise area. Oh, my God. Not including, of course, the one that had the alleged bed right. bugs. And they all were that. booked up for the concerts, you're saying. Well, Yes, they must Supposedly. have been booked. They must have been booked up. Right, yes, right. I mean I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on sure. everything, and I certainly don't want the, to portray this as this is anti Idaho because this stuff happens. This is there are no, many yeah. stories we'll get into them. This all happens. But back to your question, the onus is typically in the playoffs, especially on the host team right. to find a hotel to reserve some rooms. So. If you're asking, like, kind of, you know, when they got their heads together, this well, is why I want to know where the blankets of... came from. I, I, I don't mean to bear the lead, but, like, how did they, even if they moved the arena, how do they have things to sleep on? 
Well, again, so they own the hotel that's connected to the oh, arena. I see. So with, some extra so, stuff. With, yeah, so where they ended up sleeping that night, I do think they did the best they could do under the circumstances. It yeah. was just a funny optic to see, uh, you know, beds <laughs> basically overlooking the ice. And when you, you hear from some of these these people, like, where they were sleeping, and my one of my first questions was, boy, are they going to have to share beds? Because it doesn't look like there were enough. And that led me to these funny things, which I was tweeting out there, like, well, if you have to share beds, how does that work? Do you do you put the defense partners together? I mean, I would assume the goaltenders. They have the each, lineup each, chart in the in the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly bed not one. the yeah, that's, line. That's not the time you want to be the 24th guy on the roster because, hey, buddy, you're not be. playing tonight. You're not going to have a comfortable sleeping situation. You're sleeping on the bench. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite thing you shared was Derek Nesbitt. Um, he tweets a photo of a locker room stall. And I want, and for those that haven't seen it, it's genuinely like, if you look at just the stall, it's like, you know, professional level, like nice hockey stall, right? And then you look at the whole picture and there's a, almost like you're at a sleepover uh, in someone's basement, like a thin little mattress pad, a pillow, which I don't know how this is going to house this large professional athlete, and a, and a little sheet over it. And it says, welcome to the jungle. Playoffs, 22 uh 2022 in jacksonville pregame nap weren't granted the late checkout on game day so i guess this was their alternative last year when they couldn't have a pregame nap and it made me laugh because it's like could you even imagine on the day of 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 a playoff game being like we can't get the late checkout all right all right let's let's just nap in the locker room well i got a lot of so i you know we can maybe get into this now i got a lot of kind of hotel stories from people and there were a ton of them about team the hotel not willing to give us the late checkout and we still have to get our naps in and how do you do that and so i i got everything from sleeping in the bus to sleeping in the locker rooms like derek nesbitt clearly was um to um uh let's see sleeping in parking lots i think somebody told me they were sleeping in a in a park itself uh just just <laughs> in a park <laughs> you know, I mean, if it, it, it's hard enough for me to get a late check out, check out. and uh, you know, imagine like if they're if the whole team's coming in, they're like, "Look, we need to keep this this block of twenty rooms for an extra few hours." I could see why some hotels maybe balk at that. Um, so, uh, you know, just a, a lot of funny hotel stories I got. I don't know if you want to get into these a little bit. I was going to say, yeah, like let's let's get into a couple of them. All right, so. We'll get into the, the Western Conference Final Eastern in, in a bit. I just want to, while we're on it, let's talk about it. Right. Well, so sp- speaking speaking of kind of the late checkout, this isn't quite the same thing, but I did have uh, a guy tell me that twice they had to stay at hotels where they were redoing the roof. And of course, they put the entire team on the top level. At, like, so while there's roof construction, so like there's absolutely you know, no naps or anything going on whatsoever. I thought that That's was pretty insane. funny. Uh, let's see here. I've got a whole bunch of them here. Do you it's know funny. what these were? Like roughly, are these all within the last like five years? These are these... all, these are all recent. Yes. Okay. okay. So as you would imagine, there are a ton of stories about keys and, you know, mixed up keys and things like that. So uh, here, here's the first one I'll look at. We, we had one where we got to a hotel at four in the morning for a Sunday game. We gave the players their keys. They all came back then said, and said that they didn't work. So the, the guy behind the desk runs them through the machine again, and we send the players all, all off. 
they come back and said they were all accidentally given single rooms because they usually have to double up right? right so we kept the rooms and some guys were lucky enough to swap out some things so there's a lot of little stories like that um we get to a hotel it's three in the morning the front desk person doesn't respond to us ringing the bell so the coach starts roaming around and eventually finds this person drags this guy back to the desk he cannot find the keys so we're all sitting there in the lobby waiting forever and then they had to make us all new keys. The next day, we go to the front desk and all of the keys that were supposed to be for us are sitting right there on the top drawer. They just never thought to look in there. So a lot of check-in issues, things like that. Um, That's so funny. You know what's okay. funny too about that is... Yeah, go ahead. Is you think about it and it's like, you would never eat... like For a lot of these guys that are either coming from the AHL or just played major junior or NCAA, whatever. Like, honestly, any player in the ECHL uh, that's coming from somewhere else, a different level, like, you're probably not even thinking in the slightest when you're walking to a hotel, like, oh, you know, I hope there's no hotel issues today. Right? Yeah. You and you, right. You're, you're not thinking that. You're not, you're not even, it's not even in your realm of risks. I got a lot of little ones like this. We stayed at a hotel that previously was an insane asylum and had the longest hallways in the history of the world. Um, one year, we stayed in seven different hotels over four rounds. That include two trips to Florida, South Carolina, and Allen. We had a different hotel every time. Can't remember the reasons, but we could never stay in the same place twice. Um, my... Personal favorite was this one. I'm going to change the names here a little bit. So <laughs> I better just bring up the whole message because it was a little bit long. So uh, a team is going to an ECHL city and they have to stay at basically what is a resort. Okay. It is New Year's Eve. This guy says we show up and the place is just packed, just absolutely jam-packed there are people and families everywhere in the lobby we get to the front desk to check in and they hand us two keys for the entire hockey team <laughs> that obviously wasn't going to work so they switch us to a cabin which is at the bottom of this large hill so we walk down the entire team this icy hill while our coaches are remaining in the lobby trying to figure out you know, the logistics of all of this. We get to the lodge. There are 10 beds for a total of 27 people. We call the coach who's still in the lobby. He says, get back up here. So we all get up. We all walk back up the icy hill. And the coach is in the corner. And he's looking a little embarrassed. And there's this strange-looking guy standing next to him. Uh, it turns out that the coach had absolutely freaked out on the teenager who was working behind the desk at this resort. The oh, teenager God. then calls the police, but because this is a resort, the police are park rangers. So when the team got back to the lobby, the park rangers had sort of sequestered the coaching staff because of this whole mix-up. So I just love this visual of like... Paul, <laughs> of like Paul Blart? Yeah, yes, like a whole team walks back and, and like Paul Blart has like put the, the fear of God into the coach because of a lodge situation. So after oh. all this, they magically find plenty of room for all the guys to stay in. <laughs> um, 
lot of stories like that, a lot of different travel stories. There was one that somebody sent me that isn't really a hotel story, but I thought this was pretty funny that a player, um, they were traveling to, I believe it was Newfoundland, and a player thought that he'd be able to get across the border with just his license and not his passport. So he had to like drive all the way back to like no. a few a few hours away to go get his passport. Oh, he ends gosh. up like missing the game in Newfoundland. And then they were like thinking about maybe cutting the player, but they didn't because they needed him to go play in Brampton. So oh my <laughs> all, all kinds of stories like that. Um, I had somebody text me. Um, this was just short and sweet, but I thought it was pretty funny that we get to a hotel, a player got bit by some bug at his hotel, some and then his, his face swells up and he wasn't able to play that night. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, this one, this guy says, I think we could say this. I found a used condom in my room. Period. Oh God. <laughs> period. Uh, we played a game in Colorado and encountered the drunkest woman I've ever come across. She was sta- passed out, standing up, and leaning against the wall outside one of the players' rooms. <laughs> uh, also in Colorado, a player found a housekeeper key card that gave him access to everybody's room. Hilarity then ensued. Oh, yeah. That's that's a gold mine for the team prankster. Um, so I have a, a, you know, just to, before we get too far down the weeds, I mean, this stuff happens you know yeah. uh, um you know it, it's it's a it's a difficult beast to make everybody happy in the postseason and also to um you know deal with the unexpected because you know you don't always know who's going to be playing what the schedule of a series is going to be so it is very easy for people in toledo or wherever to say look idaho well, these are big cities too Justin so like last minute there's other as you mentioned there's other events happening at the same time it's hard to do a last minute yes yes so I mean a lot of people in Toledo are like well Boise you're the top seeded team you've known this whole time you were going to be playing well that doesn't always mean that you know the schedule it doesn't mean you know it it could have been very different Toledo versus Idaho versus Fort Wayne versus Idaho you know I mean yeah they would have had home ice advantage they would have had a decent idea but you know, it, it's, it's easier said than done. So I can tell you my little story, which was from uh, about six years ago. Uh, Fort Wayne was in the playoffs and there was a very large AAU tournament, basketball tournament in Fort Wayne. I think it was maybe the nation's largest tournament that year. So there were no hotel rooms. So a visiting team shows up and Fort Wayne had arranged the only hotel they could find, which was a very low end hotel I'll describe it as between a bunch of truck stops and strip clubs. Not an ideal location for a hockey team, but it's what was available. So the team showed up and they were furious. They were convinced that this was done on purpose, that this was gamesmanship. I witnessed the whole thing. It wasn't, but I understand why they felt that. So they were not happy. There was so much tension between the teams from the outset. And then when we all went out, West for this series. I mean, they were doing everything they could to make everybody, including the media, uncomfortable because of this whole. What do you mean? Like, I mean, I think, as I recall, I didn't have. You take your laptop charger? Well, no, but I was not getting any information. I think I was trying to get like the wireless login, and like nobody was helping me. I That's think hilarious. there was a there was a whole thing with uh, trying to get parking. They're like, no, you can't get parking. Like anything I asked for, I'm like, I didn't have anything to do with this. Like. <laughs> 
but so you know, target, man. nobody is immune to these things in the playoffs and it could get, it could get pretty funny and, and out of control. I mean, you know, I, 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 it's, I don't blame people for thinking it's gamesmanship. I mean, I can think of a series just a couple of years ago where, um, you know, a team got into a locker room and somebody had mysteriously put sand in the locker room to mess up the players' skates. You know, there's there's a litany of stories about that's, that's actually awesome. You know, the air conditioning magically not working in in a in, in a locker room or a heater. I mean, there's all kinds of. You things must have like laughed that. then, Justin, when we there was like, do you hear about this? There's a rumor uh in the first round of the playoffs that like someone on Winnipeg or Vegas stole a bike pedal, and you're probably thinking like that is child compared to the ECHL, that's nothing. Right in terms of in terms of gamesmanship, that's nothing. Right, right. Uh, I think producer Cotter could show the picture of that Derek Nesbitt. Thing. Oh yeah, let's get that on. For those that are it's... watching, and if not, you should come check it out at thehockeynews.com. Uh, check out us. Uh, look at the picture. Yeesh. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories like this. This is actually a more comfortable setup that I've seen for most players. I mean, it's it's like he searched around, got some pillows, got some blankies. I mean, I I like that. So Derek Nesbitt, very good player. Um, you that know, looks it's... like my bed in, in college, in my <laughs> residence. That looks like a beautiful setup. I mean, I, no complaints for me. That is crazy. Also, I mean, I, I just, I'd be curious to know, like, when all these situations happen, like, how, like, not to get too, like, into, this is the last thing I'll say about it, is, like, do you think that there's a lot of guys that this would be, like, screw this, like, mopey and whatever? And, like, I wonder how big the vets are in the situation, because... It might sound cheesy and cliche, but I feel like if you have a certain type, not bad apples, but if you have the wrong type of personality in that room, like that could really derail a team, I would think. No? Well, I think teams find motivation and emotion from very some very strange things. And, I mean, I don't know if this is equivalent, but when Fort Wayne won the Cup in 2021, and that was the pandemic year, we were going through all sorts of crazy scheduling thing and playing in practice arenas because they – had to move the playoffs to, to July. I think Fort Wayne ended up traveling something like, gosh, I wish I could remember the number. It was like 9,000 miles during the playoffs. And wow. you're talking busing yeah. most of that. You know, there were, but there were, there were planes and there was like, maybe we'll fly. I think they flew the goaltender uh, from Fort Wayne to Allen, Texas, while the rest of the team took a bus. I mean, so there are things that go on like that, but this crazy scheduling, it was nobody's fault, mm -hmm. but it very much became for that team uh, us against the world kind of thing, right. even though there was no particular villain, if that makes sense. So, sure. you know, teams could kind of ch change the narrative a little bit to, um, you know, help motivate themselves. And maybe this is, you know, if, if they had come out and won, on Sunday night, I think we'd be talking about it that way, right? Like, oh, you know, look, they didn't, they didn't get a good night's sleep. They had to go through all this stuff, but they really showed them. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't that this time. But um, yeah. I, I do a hundred percent think about these guys. Like Toledo has a former NHL player, at least one former NHL player, has one of the biggest prospects in the world, has, uh, you know, like seven, eight guys who were sent down from the AHL. Uh, at the end of the regular season and to how do those guys feel when you get to this level and then you got to deal with something like this like like mouse poop on your beds I mean it is it is funny but it's also one of those things that 
you know, years from now, these guys are going to look back on it. They're going to be telling stories about it. Right. Totally. You know, like it's, that's part of the, the, the minor league lifestyle. And that's, you hate going through it at the time, but you love telling the story about it later. I think we all, all have that at the double A level. Well, that concludes our episode. No, I'm kidding. All right, let's get to the, let's get to the meat of the episode. Let's start with the Western conference finals, Idaho and Toledo. So Idaho is up to nothing, which, you know, no surprise, right? You know, they're, they're, they had a great regular season, but, for Toledo to not have a single goal. Like, Idaho has shut them out 3 nothing back-to-back games. So, Brandon Hawkins, Gordy Green, those guys have nada. Zero points. Nothing. There's got to be some element of, of shock there to see the way the first two games have turned out, no? Well, uh, I Just the nature of it. Not necessarily that they're up 2 nothing. Yes. I mean, I certainly would have never thought that this high-powered offense would be sitting here with no goals. I mean... You know, like a guy like Brandon Hawkins, I mean, is, is such a dangerous scorer. But when you look through their whole roster of guys, I mean, just here, here are some names that even if you're not an ECHL person, I'm just going to tell you, this is a litany of offensive players. T.J. Hensick, Conlon Keenan, Brett McKenzie, John Albert, Trenton Bliss. I mean, these are guys that it's like you wouldn't think they would go through two games all season uh, without a point. And to do it in the playoffs, I mean, I think it speaks very highly to what Idaho is doing. Um, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of messages from people watching these games. And I think a, a big interpretation or a big analysis that I'm getting from people that I tend to agree with is that Idaho is just they are standing Toledo up at the blue line. They are not letting them establish the offensive zone and get their offensive going. And that's the thing that you have to do against Toledo. You have to be physical with them. You have to prevent them from setting up and and doing the things they like to do. And you also have to stay out of the penalty box. But the biggest thing is you have to get good goaltending. And they obviously have gotten that so far from, from Adam Scheel. And, you know, maybe we can talk about him a little bit now. I mean, he's, he's the guy that I chose as our, our prospect of the week. I thought it was, it was pretty obvious here, but let me just bring up some, some stats for you. Um, one thing he, I will say about yeah. Adam Shield too is Adam Shield should probably not be at this level. I think we, we could probably say that by now because I saw Adam Shield in the American League make some players look silly, and I think what you've seen from these playoffs is another testament to just how how good he is in ECHL compared to those players. Yeah, I mean he's he's only twenty four. He's on an NHL prospect. I mean he's got certainly plenty of time, and and I tend to agree with you. I mean he's the guy that that I voted for goaltender of the year. You might. Uh, recall he didn't end up winning that ironically the person who won it was John Letheman of Toledo um it's we don't need to get into that tangent but we actually never discussed it it's sort of interesting that Letheman won that because he spent a significant part of the regular season in the AHL I think he only had like 26 regular season games uh with Toledo so he ends up winning goaltender of the year. And you can absolutely make the argument. I mean, his stats were unreal, but he is paired with Sebastian Cosa. Now Cosa is who I voted third. Um, I voted shield to win it. Uh, And I I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit vindicated by that right now. Uh, But you know, there's a lot of depth at the goaltender position in the Dallas roster. They have Remy Poirier. He actually got sent down uh, from the AHL after Texas's season was done. So now he is going to be on the roster. And that's a very interesting situation because you got Adam Shields got three straight shutouts. I mean, he's right now uh, clearly the MVP in the playoffs to me. 
Uh, and now you got a guy just sent down from the AHL, but he's probably going to be your backup right now unless somebody. Well, the question is, how short is his leash? After what he's been through during these playoffs, um, you know, Idaho, you'll recall, was down two to nothing in the first round to Utah. They come back, they win four in a row, all of them in overtime. Then they beat maybe the best offensive team in the league in Allen, take them out in five games. So I think Adam Shields' leash is going to be pretty long unless the organization were to say we want Parier to get some playoff experience here, which, you know, that happens. But, yeah, uh, that would be hard for me to imagine uh, them pulling Shield. But, hey, I I could be way off on that. I mean, you just never know that that NHL dynamic. That could do some I was going to say, and it goes back to when we keep talking about about who has the final say with that. But let's get – sorry, Adam Schiel. I I, I meant to derail us. Well, so no, you're fine. So he's he's 10-3 and in the playoffs, has a 2.40 goals against average, a 919 save percentage, and three shutouts all in his last three games. Uh, As I just noted, he had the four playoff games. So in this series, he has stopped 62 shots – so obviously doing well, but that's actually not bad that they have held Toledo to only 62 shots. So what this all is, is what we talked about all year long. Idaho has been the ECHL's best defensive team start to finish. They've been a record setting team in that respect all year long. Uh, you know, I've talked about before their fifth best defenseman might be the number one defenseman for most ECHL teams, but Idaho what I think is, I mean, you'll remember I picked Toledo to win this series coming into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, think that could happen. I'm obviously a lot less sure. I was a lot less sure before this series started. And the reason was that first round series. Yeah. I think that battle hardened Idaho that they have some young players. I think they grew up a lot in that series and they showed it against Allen. I mean, Allen was a team that even though I had no success against them during the regular season, they were firing on all cylinders, a lot of offense, and they had nothing against Idaho. Um, but coming into the playoffs, my my concern about Idaho was they had never played a team like Toledo. They hadn't played the powerhouses like Toledo or Cincinnati. So I was concerned about that. But I think organically through the playoffs, they've just become that battle-hardened team, and that has helped them going into the series. But you know, wanted to talk about one other guy for Idaho, and that's Wade Murphy. He's got 10 goals and 15 points in 13 playoff games. Now, for people who have followed the ECHL, they'll be like, Wade Murphy, he has not been a big scorer like that before this year. And this truly has been a breakout season for him. Uh, He had 21 goals and 43 points in 54 regular season games. Um, He had never had more than 24 points in his first three ECHL seasons. So he's about doubled his production here. And the question is, what what's changed? Uh, Flow Hockey's Mike Ashmore had a really good story about Murphy, so I want to credit him, about how he went to Europe. And that probably changed his game a little bit, gave him a little bit more confidence. You know, some players, they go out, they play on the big ice in Europe, and they can't deal with it, or they don't like the lack of physicality. Other players go out there, and they start seeing the game a little bit differently. They have a little bit more room to do things offensively. And I think that's what we're seeing with Wade Murphy. So he's a guy that we did not talk about much during the regular season with the guys like Owen Hedrick and Matt Register and Patrick Kudla and the goaltenders. But he has really uh, been something else uh, during these playoffs so far. Let's get to uh, Newfoundland and Florida while we can. 
Um, right now, you know, I think the Growlers are eight and one in playoff series in ECHL. Um, the only loss, you know, came last year to the Everblades. Pretty evenly matched up in a lot of ways. I think the edge would go to special teams for Newfoundland. We're probably the one kind of edge there. Maybe there's more high-powered offense there, but otherwise relatively even. Curious what you think about the series, at least at this point in time. Well, first off, I think we should note that this is becoming one of the real rivalries in the ECHL. Third time these teams have met in the playoffs. Obviously, Newfoundland's still a young team. They have both split, so Newfoundland beat them in 2019, went in to win the Cup. Florida beat them last year. Florida went on to win the Cup. To your question, though, you know, coming into the playoffs, I would have said on paper, Newfoundland is the better team in every category except for goaltending. Uh, but what we've seen from Florida during these playoffs is that you should never underestimate a defending champion, a, mm-hmm. a team that's got experience. First round, they took out the South Carolina Stingrays. You know I had picked them to win the Cup. Uh, I was concerned about that first-round series, though. Uh, and then they beat uh, a resilient uh, Jacksonville Iceman team in the second round. So, you know, they I would say about Florida, they just – they don't do every anything exceptionally well, but they do everything very good. You know, like the, there's that I can't put my finger on one thing that I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's where they dominate. But they do everything really well. They finish their checks. They make smart passes. They don't get panicked. They're good on special teams. Um, you know, they'll get traffic in front of the net. I mean, just all those things that you want from an experienced team, they tend to do. And, of course, it starts with Cam Johnson, their goaltender. And it's really nice when you have a guy who's like an Ironman goalie. He has now played 71 games this season, regular season and playoffs. For the ECHL level, that is an insane number. Yeah, 71 games. Uh, So, I mean, he'd play them all if he could, right? Um, Newfoundland's goalie, though, and I want to talk him up a little bit because they, they did something interesting. Now, Newfoundland... This is a 3-4 formatted series. So even though they were down 2 nothing, I felt like this was not a reason to panic. But one big change that they made heading into game three, which, uh, the, um, which the Growlers won, was they changed their goaltender. So it had been Dryden McKay mm-hmm. uh, during the first two games. Really good goaltender. I felt like he needed to up his game a little bit more. Like he just, there was, you know, maybe one goal game that it was kind of giving him a problem. So they go with Luke Cavillan, the rookie for game three, and he looked really good. He stopped 30, uh, 30 shots. The Growlers win four to one to send that series back to Newfoundland. And it has a much different outlook now, but Newfoundland looks good, too. I feel like they've got a little bit more size. I feel like they've been trying to make a concerted effort to really get some uh, some guys screening Cam Johnson, looking for some of those uglier goals. And with that with that win in the last game, that really does change the complexion. But something to note, things got a little bit out of control, wacky in that last game. I try to remember the, the number. I believe it was 17 misconducts in the last game including 13 in the last four minutes. So things got real heated. There were a lot of big hits. There were a fight. There was almost a goalie fight. It looked like Cam Johnson was almost challenging Luke Cavillan. That didn't happen. But my favorite part of this story, since we were talking about the fun stuff with the hotels, is they play this heated game on Sunday. On Monday, the Everblades and the Growlers took the same plane together to get up to St. John's. 
So I would oh, love boy. to love to know what that trip was like. You know, were they playing Schnarples on the plane? Were they debating? Attention, folks. Can we have the Newfoundland Growlers board first? Yes, please. I, I tweeted something about, you know, like I, I'm just imagining some conversation like the flight attendant being like, please stop hitting the, the help button. Well, yeah. Not not until you tell him to stop getting in the goaltender's crease. That's sir, not his Sir, area. you can't smoke here. Sir, you can't smoke on this plane. <laughs> so uh, that type of thing happens. I heard that last year in Newfoundland and Trois-Rivières, I think it was, took a took a plane together. Or, well, in every or... level except the NHL, a lot of the times when you're going like a distance like this, that's going to happen where you're sharing a plane. I, I can well, re- say that. Well, first, remember, not too many teams are flying, period. Oh, no, no, no. Of course. That's why I'm saying in any level of the NHL, oh, when oh, you yes. are flying, when you are I don't know when you're not sharing the plane is kind of what I'm thinking because how many teams, like even if you're in the AHL or, or a year, like that's a far proximity you're going, right? Like that's, Oh ridiculous. yeah. It's, that's like a 3000 mile trip from Estero, Florida to St. John's Newfoundland. So totally. And, and let you know, let's face it, you know, ECHL teams are not known for their restraint on or off the ice so uh, i'm sure nothing happened but it was just really funny when breaking i breaking news up. the emergency landed in pennsylvania after two <laughs> players would not stop fighting <laughs> let's go to coast to coast justin before we end things off for this week yeah so uh there has not been a ton of u- news yet in the echl though i do expect we will finally have next season's schedule sometimes this sometime this week i've been getting a lot of questions about that um but one thing i do want to mention is that the Wheeling Nailers have locked down coach Derek Army to a multi-year contract. This is significant because he's one of the really good young coaches in the league. Um, I I do really think that some other teams would have been after him pretty quickly. Uh, I I did have a conversation with somebody pretty recently about uh, Derek Army and and the, the feeling both of us had was, you know, boy, what would he be able to do in a different market with you know, some, some more resources than he gets in Wheeling, which is just a, a small market by ECHL standards. But he's a Wheeling guy. He's done a great job there. He led them to the upset over Fort Wayne last year. They did not make the playoffs this year, but that is a very tough division. You're dealing with uh, Cincinnati, with Toledo, and I think everybody feels like he's a coach on the rise. Uh, rest in peace to Jim Birmingham. He's one of the ECHL's all-time great players. He was mm-hmm. recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. He passed recently at, uh, I believe it was the age of 51, uh, wanted to recognize a couple guys who don't get much recognition. The ECHL announced that uh, the athletic trainer of the year is Allen's Jordan Dutton and that South Carolina's Travis Ward was voted equipment manager of the year. Those awards are voted on by their peers. And oh, nice. since we spent last week uh, talking so much about officiating, I thought it'd be interesting to bring up who are the ECHL's top officials. I have my own opinions, but I think we can glean who the ECHL feels their best officials are by who they have working the conference finals games. The referees are Nolan Bloyer, Logan Gruel, Tyler Haskell, Sam Heideman, John Lindner, Alex Normandon, Trevor Wolford, and Jack Young. Those are all referees that I saw multiple times this year. And the linesmen are Antoine Bujold-Rue, Brady Fagan, Chad Fuller, uh, Brian Gorkoff, Brandon Grillo, Matthew Heinen, Sheldon Keough, David Rosilitz, Christopher Williams, and Tanum Wyanzak. Excuse me. I should have 
Tannen Wyanzek. I should have uh, worked on a pronunciation of that one. Uh, so those are the ECHL's top officials based on who is working the conference finals right now. Uh, that's a pretty good list. There's definitely two officials that I would not have on there. But uh, other than that, they're, they're pretty good. I think Logan Gruel is probably my pick for the best official or best referee in the ECHL right now. He's the guy that I think is the one I trust for the big games. Not many times you'll see a league announce like it, the ECHL post an official's name for the Eastern Con- for the conference finals, not Eastern, sorry, the conference finals. Uh, maybe that's just Joe Ern's shadow giving us some stuff to do like in, in the behind the scenes, giving us something to talk about. No, so, they do. They do that every year. They like to acknowledge who's working the finals and who's working. I meant not a lot of leagues. Sorry. I, obviously, the yeah. ECHL has it, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good thing. To, well, to and I've told you, you know, I think that we should have the names of the officials on, on, the back of the jerseys. And I, I don't mean it for a, a negative or a positive or anything like that. I think it's just, yeah. it's good information. And I do think. But as a former that, official, aren't you a little bit weary of that just because of the negatives that can come with that? Not at all. Because I, all right. I, if somebody wants to find out their name, it's not that hard. You can go to any box score and you can find, find yeah. it out. So why not have their names there? But I just feel like it's part of um, the character of a hockey game is that every official brings their own thing. And I just think it's good to know, oh, you know, like I used to get excited. You'd go to games and you'd be like, oh, it's Kerry Frazier tonight. Or, you know, it's Don Koharski tonight. And I do feel like at the ECHL level, the hardcore fans, they know who these officials are. Why do we have to make them work to find out, you know, who's actually going to be on the ice tonight? That's that's just my feeling. I mean, we show everybody else's name. Why can't Fair. we show theirs? <laughs> agreed, agreed. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Good stuff, Justin. Thank you so much. Any closing thoughts before we uh, tune off for the week? Uh, Pick your hotels wisely and get plenty of rest for the playoffs. Agreed. And if not, sleep in your locker room stall. Can't go wrong with that. All right, folks. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Till then.